Hey guys, welcome to another DQMH podcast episode. This is episode 11. And today we've got a couple of guests. Today we have Jeff DeBurr and we have Sam Taggart. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello. Jeff and Sam are um, here today to talk to us about a couple of things. Basically, our episode is going to cover a couple of areas. First of all, we're going to talk to Jeff, um, get a bit about his background, hear a bit about what he does with LabVIEW and in particular DQMH, how he came about using it and how he uses it and applies it in his work. And then we're going to talk to Sam. We're going to hear a bit about some upcoming DQMH workshops that he's planning to run, um, which I'm keen to hear more about. And these DQMH workshops are going to happen at GDEVCON North America, which is a perfect lead-in for us to chat to the guys about GDEVCON. Obviously, it didn't happen in 2020, and they're bringing it back for 2021, which is very exciting. So we'll talk about GDEVCON a little bit later, but let's start with you, Jeff. Jeff, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Chris. Um, as he's said, I'm Jeff DeBurr. I've been a, a LabVIEW engineer using LabVIEW for the last close to 30 years. Uh, started way back in the days when it was 3.1 and no undo. So for a lot of people, they, they probably find that kind of crazy. Awesome. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a CLA. I'm also a LabVIEW champion. And I started using DQMH, which is what this is you know, all about, right? The best stuff to use. I've been using DQMH since about 2017. I came about it because uh, Fabiola, who created it in Del at Delacor originally, uh, she had said, I've got this great new uh, framework I want you to try out. And I kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll try it. And I kept not putting her off, but it was where I was at working at the time. I just couldn't really get a project where I could use it or I was allowed to use it is probably the better term. Company I work for now, I when I fell into the position that I'm in, I was told, pick an architecture. Mm. So that, that DQMH that Fabiola was ringing in my ears for the last couple of years prior came back. So I emailed her about it and started playing with it. And that's where I started. I needed something that was easy to use for somebody who's who's green it's probably the best polite term to use green with labview yes but i wanted i wanted somebody or i wanted something that i could use that i could use you know and it could i could take it to to different levels and different steps and 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 push the limits of what i want to do with it and that framework is one of the best platforms i have found to do that with it's easy to teach it's easy to use and if I want to get crazy with it and make it super complex, I can do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting to hear. It's it's quite a common story why people choose DQMH and, and and how they get into it in the first place. Would you agree, Sam? Oh yeah, no. I mean, yeah, everybody's got their own little story. I kind of got into it because I was trying to do stuff with the Actor Framework and trying to implement all the cool testers and everything that Fab was doing in DQMH. Eventually, I decided, well, it's easier to just use DQMH. So that was kind cool. of my yeah. foray. Well, thanks, Jeff. So, Sam, obviously, the uh, listeners of DQMH podcast know you well. Just wanted to get a quick update on how you're going and, and what's happening at SAS workshops. 
Yeah, I've been kind of focused on this GDEVCon NA thing, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, but my focus lately has been trying to shift from more of doing the code to more like teaching, coaching, mentoring, running various workshops and kind of sharing some of the stuff that I'm learning. So, Yeah, definitely. You're putting a lot of good stuff out there on LinkedIn at the moment. Lots of good tips and and your blog writing is rather prolific at the moment. There seems seems to be an article every week and and full of good information. So yeah, I definitely appreciate that. There's always good stuff, especially the compact Rio gold you keep coming up with, Sam. Well done on that. <laughs> yeah, I think most of that was due to Neil Crisson. He kind of inspired a lot of that. And I just kind of took what he was doing and, and wrote it up in a nice little article form. So yeah, um, kudos to Neil. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, let's let's do a bit of a deep dive into what your role is and then how does DQMH make your life easier? Obviously, you've given us an overview on that to start yeah. with. But. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, it, where I'm at, I, when I fell, like, like I said, when I fell into the position that I'm in, it kind of worked itself. It worked over the course of a year. Or so it worked itself into where I became more or less the lead LabVIEW guy. I mean, I was the, you know, if you, you have a LabVIEW question, go to Jeff. If you are going to do a LabVIEW project, go to Jeff. If you want to learn how to do a LabVIEW project, go to Jeff. So I fell in this position where it's like, okay, I've decided what the framework is we're going to use. We're going to use Delacore. I combined it with uh, MGI Toolkit for their other panels, actually, the MGI uh, panels framework, and oh, yeah. made it into something very flexible for me and came up with a nice, really nice little architecture that says, okay, I've got a main, I've got a settings, and I've got a UI. Those are my three modules that I kind of start with in a, in a given project. Um, when I first started doing it, I was making a lot of sub-modules for different things. Uh, mm. I, have a deck, I have a deck module, which we can go into depth a little bit in a, in a minute or two. Um, I've made modules for power supplies, signal generators, spectrum analyzers, most of the equipment that we use. I thought, if I make a module and I can handle control the module, I can use DQMH to control the class that I create for that module. So then I can add classes when I get different pieces of equipment. For sure. Which then, yeah. yeah, which is now spun into, well, let's take those modules and put them into pack libraries. And I could probably go on for the pack libraries in a whole nother session of DQMH chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, with the trials and tribulations of that. But uh, one, of the, one of the first modules that I did with DQMH was I created a DAC a DAC driver or a DAC driver on steroids. My DAC driver started out about 10 years ago. It was just a class and it just did analog in, analog out, digital in, digital out, because that's what everybody uses mm -hmm. for the most part. Then it, then it morphed and I had to add counters. Then I had to add something else. And like everything, you add features as you need them. Well, fast forward to starting with DQMH. I'm like, well, I've got this class. And if I put it in a clonable, in DQMH, the possibilities are endless. I can then spawn it off four or five, six times. It's the same code, and I can run four or five different deck tasks. I'm like, well, this is great. So I started down that path, and I was using I use uh, Easy XML from JKI to make my configuration file. So I create my configuration file for my task prior to running the code, so I can keep it generic because now I can use it anywhere. So I'm like, That's this awesome. is great. This is, you know, it's fantastic. And I didn't have to do a lot, right? Because the code, the framework is already there. You just have to populate what you need and put all your requests and all your, if you're using broadcast for things and do that. And then I thought, what if 
I made a manager to manage all those clonables. So I dug into that next. And now I have a, I have a what I call the DAC processor, which is my manager. I can send it, I send it paths to my XML files so I can have five, 10, I suppose a hundred if I had a hundred tasks. Mm-hmm. And each each XML file is a task for the DAC. And it worked worked great. Until one of my uh, coworkers says, "Hey, you know, Jeff, it'd really be nice if I could see what all the das- uh, tasks are doing." Yeah, of course. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know, that would really be nice. And <laughs> another one said, "How come they're not showing up in Max? Because I'm used to looking in Max sometimes and just running the task in Max." I'm like, "Okay, some good points." So then it evolved a little bit more. I added just a just a function to when I create a task, it just saves it in the Max. And if it if it's already there, it'll just rewrite it. But it gives that engineer that that comfort that, oh, I could go into Max and I can look at the task and say, oh, yeah, he set it up right. Or what was he thinking kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but then I created another uh, DQA, DQMH module within my processor that is a monitor, or I call it a DAC monitor. So it can... It loads all my tasks. When I'm running code, I can open up a separate window. And because I'm using panels from MGI, I have it pop out as a separate panel window. It has a list of all the tasks. So I can click on each task and see individual tasks. Or I can see them all on the screen. Maybe scroll if they don't fit, of course. And I have a button to start and stop it from updating. Because it does end up taxing the system a little bit. But overall, it's been fantastic. And it seems like I get it done. And as soon as I get it done, someone's like, yeah, no, I, I would like this. Or I would like this feature. Uh, I think right now, uh, the, the most recent one I added was uh, I use Wireflow modules in a CDAC. And I wanted to add them. So that was a whole nother, whole nother animal because it uses different stuff than NIDAC, of course. Yeah. But I wanted to, you know, so that's a good thing. I wrote a lot of that in classes. So it was very easy to kind of add it in there. You're right, because um, that's been handled down in the, the class layer, not in the DQMH layer. You, it's, you, yeah, you're it's, abstracting so, it down there. Yeah, I do it in two places, actually, because I have a dev- I have two layers of classes. I have a device layer, because I look when I start the DAC and I do my tasks, I search the computer to see what, ta- what equipment I have. So, for example, uh, let's say I have a USB 6009, the cheap little box, mm-hmm. right? And I'm using it for something. And then I go to another computer and it's got a 6353. Mm-hmm. And I try to run my code and it's loading my task that's set up for a 6009. It will prompt you and say, hey, you don't have a 6009, but you have this 6353. Do you want to use this? So then you can choose right then and there. You can make a decision like, yeah, let's do a one-time use of the 6353 or no, let's set it and make it permanent. And it and it takes uh, device name and a few other things and it puts it into the file so the next time I run it, it'll just run with the 6353. That sounds really cool. I have the same thing set up for DAC, CDAC chassis too, for card slots. Because what if I have, and I have, uh, the 9401. I use that for a counter. What if I have to, and on a chassis that I have, I can only do four counters. And I could use mm-hmm. two 9401s to do that. Well, now I have two cards that are the same. Well, how do I determine which one's which? So I have a card slot. And again looks for the card slot. If it's not there, it says, well, you wanted this one, but I have this one. Would you like to use this one instead? So I've done a lot of work to try and make it easy for my developers when they're running that all they have to do is say, oh, 
I have a six, I said 6,009, but I've got a 9401. Yeah, that'll work. Or I've got a, you know, whatever the other card is. And it's set, it's set up to use USB equipment. It will use CDAC. And now I'm working on PXI. The PXI is mostly there, but the relay cards are the challenge. That's going to be another class because it's now using an iSwitch. But mm-hmm. it's been really cool. Um, that sounds really good, Jeff. It's it's been a fun project. I I probably yeah. it's it's one of those that you know you get one of those cool projects and your coworker wants to use it. You're like, nope, that's mine. You can't have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I was about to say you've got this. This is all open source on GitLab somewhere, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> some of, some of it probably could be it someday. But. <laughs> um, it's, it's very similar challenges to some of the things we're facing at at White Inn. Um, we, we've got a DAC card, and but we it either needs to be you know, an NI DAC card or it might need to be an AdLink DAC card. Um, right. Yeah. So trying to handle the different uh, card types and the different flavors of those cards and their, their, their capabilities are slightly different too. So being able to notice you can do that with that card, but not the other one. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. So tell me about the MGI panels. Um, I, I, I know about them. I've, I think I downloaded them once, but I haven't really had a chance to really use them in anger. Uh, tell me, how do they work? So the, the MGI panels, uh, I know it was originally created for Actor Framework, and um, I can't remember who it was. Sam, you can help me with the name. Who used to work at, uh, at, at MGI that did that? Derek. Derek, I believe it was Derek. Derek. So Derek did this, did a creation on uh, DQMH3 for panels. And what panels does is it has a whole lot more features than I use. So I will, I will, I will say here that I'm not an expert and I may get a couple things wrong, but I know what I, I know what I know from what I use. So he's got a feature in there that will allow you to take a VI or a module essentially and put it into a sub panel. So I can load. So what I did is I have a main VI that has my header and it has a sub panel window. And when I launch my code, I just launch, I always start out with my settings because it's always what you want to do. You got to change your settings, your user settings. So it goes into this, the settings panel gets loaded up into my sub panel in my main. So when you're out and when it's built and executable, it looks like it's just one, you know, one VI and everything's just populated on a, on a tab, but it's a whole separate module running. So, and then when you go to run, when I go to run, it switches to another one. And that's, that's where I leverage it is really, I think the biggest thing is just the sub panels because he created this whole class network that I didn't have not dove into at all, but it all works. So from my aspect right now, it's just, that works. I'll deal, I'll dig into it when I can. I know it has some other features like centering, setting it to different monitors. If you have multiple monitors, you can put stuff, you know, force it to different win- monitor windows. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's a lot, of, a lot of features there I haven't touched. And it's, it's pretty powerful when you add that to the DQMH. It just, for me, it makes that one-stop solution. Um, the other thing I'll add, too, is that I use uh, DMC has... Uh, their, their, their headquarters are in Chicago, but they're all over the place. But DMC has some uh, font uh, UI tools and all, you know, and a nice, a nice palette of UI stuff. So I use their UI stuff, which just gives a nice new updated look to a LabVIEW VI. And that's, that's, you know, for me, that's just like, oh, this is really nice. Mm. So. Yeah, I, I saw a presentation from, from DMC at NI Week in 2017 
and yeah, jumped on their pallets. It's really nice. Yeah, we use that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, we did a user group and D- DMC was there. And as soon as I showed my screen, I saw all three of them that were there just smile like, that's ours. <laughs> it's <was> pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, well, it's they've done a really great job with that. We were chatting earlier. You you did a presentation at NI Week 2019 about teaching an intern how to use DQMH. Is that correct? Yes, yep. that is correct. I'd be curious to know... What, what you learned from that process uh, because it, learning DQMH is a common topic on this podcast. So so my, my recipe is probably the best way to put it. My recipe for DQMH has evolved in a, since that was like, I think that first intern I had was 2018. And again, I, I knew what I knew and I didn't know what I didn't know. And that was my first time having an intern. I'd only been using DQMH for about six months, maybe eight months at the time. The experience there was good because my recipe at that point was, okay, there's this there's this person you have to watch on YouTube, you know, go find Delacor DQMH videos and watch Fabiola, and Fabiola had told me run them at slow speed if you if she talks too fast, <laughs> and you can still understand her at the slower speed, but she says that all the time. So he watched the videos. That's where we started, and then I gave him some modules that I had put some breadcrumbs in, of course, so he could start working. And I worked with him a little bit here and there. And he started doing, He once he ca- grasped the concept of the requests and, and broadcast, he it made it easier for him. Mm-hmm. I had a couple more interns that I worked with in, in Mexico. And I did the same thing. But the, the, the challenge there was, there was a, a few other challenges, but... I found from them because everybody learns differently that I have to stress and, and make sure they understand the, the request and the broadcast. And I think for anybody new, that's confusing or it mm. can be, mm-hmm. especially when you have request or request with reply, or I want the full package request reply broadcast. When do I use them? What's mm. right? What's wrong? That sort of thing. So, you know, every intern I have, here up up by me is usually about night about three months over the summer so it's a summer intern and i can get them to program something for me over the summer and over the past few years i've refined the way i teach it which is still go watch these videos because fab does a great job explaining the tool that she created because she knows the tool and and now i know now it's dqmh consortium and they have a lot of information still but um after they go through those videos uh, the, the intern I have this summer found someone else who had some videos and I don't remember who it was, but he was watching those too. And he's like, this is great. I got some great information. And then I created an exercise for them. I've got section one done. I haven't gotten beyond it, but it goes through, okay, using, and it's using my now template that I've created. So I've created, you know, my, my standard setup with main settings and test UIs. I created a template. They start with that template, which has a lot of my stuff pre-populated in it which saves them all that time of searching. And then I walk them through, create a request. Well, let's create a request with a response. Let's do a broadcast. And I want to, and once they know how that is, or once anybody gets that and that light bulb goes, aha, I understand it. They're off and flying. And you, Chris, you could probably agree with me too, right? I mean, after you did it and started using it, it's the request. It's once you, once the light bulb clicks, and you see how it works, yes. you're rocking, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and uh, it's really important to get that request broadcast flow right. And and actually, you know, Sam 
you know, harking back to your uh, famous do's and don'ts article, <laughs> um, you know, you put it really clearly for me, you know, the you've got to, if you think of it as a parent module and a, a child module, even though we're not talking about classes here, we're talking about modules, you know, the parent module requests things of the child module and the child module broadcasts things to the parent module. That really helped helped things for me. That sort of clarified it for me that, oh, yes, there's always that relationship. You don't, they don't both request things of each other because that creates a circular dependency. Um, but, yeah, once that clicks. You, you make a good point with that you know, with the request, you know, and, and I never thought of looking at it from a parent child, like you guys are talking about, uh, in my, in my design, I tell everybody the main always does the requests because the main does the business code. If mm-hmm. you want something done, you create the request, you put it in a test or you put it in the settings. Now I will say that I probably do some unorthodox things, but in my settings, it'll do some stuff on its own because the settings is the big heavy user. And once you hit test, usually it's just, okay, the main's off chugging, doing what it needs to do. And it's just spitting information out to the test screen. And all the test screen has on it is either stop, pause, quit, you know, the simple things. Yep. But there's nothing else you're really doing because it's just, a dis- it's at the end of the day, it's just my display. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's really, that's really interesting, Jeff. Thank you for that. I'd like to move now to discussing the upcoming DQMH, DQMH workshops, Sam. Tell us a bit about what you're planning for these, and, and well, give us the give us the spiel. Yeah, so I, I should make a point that the DQMH workshop, at least the one that we're talking about, is attached directly to GDevCon. So uh, this GDevCon in any event, we wanted to make it a community event, and so it's a two day event. But then on either side, we're doing workshops, and one okay. of them happens to be a DQMH workshop. So the conference is. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, and Monday and Tuesday is a DQMH workshop that we're running. Yeah, normally the workshop's a three-day workshop, but uh, we're going to trim out some stuff. So there's like some extraneous stuff that Fab had kind of thrown in there that that's useful, but not... So some of the stuff like uh, we're cutting out some of the unit testing and some of the stuff with packaging and VIPM and PPLs and some stuff that's like useful, but not directly related to using DQMH. Uh, but we're going to keep yep. all the other stuff, so... Uh, we start out going over just queued message handlers and how they work. And then we kind of evolve into DQMH and talk about all the events and the scripting tools and all of that. And then we go into a section on design, which talks a lot about how, how, how you lay out your different modules and how they talk to each other and setting them up so you don't have the circular dependencies and that type of stuff. And then as part of all this, we basically take the continuous measurement and logging example in LabVIEW, the yeah. Chipsworth LabVIEW, and we basically rebuild it in DQMH. And so then at the end of the day, you built that, and then you have that to then take home, and you can reuse some of those things. Uh, I'll probably add some modules onto it and stuff so you have more stuff to take home. Because uh, you know the DQMH ships with its own DQMH version of that. Yeah, We're not going to recreate that exactly. We're going to do a, a little bit differently. Yeah. So there's but a lot got, of hands They've got something there to... to, to it uses a reference, I suppose. Yeah. So there's a good combination of uh, the theory of behind why it all works because it really is like a DQMH philosophy with that test first, with the, the tester, the API tester and everything. So we really focus on that and kind of understanding the request broadcast paradigm and all that. And then the rest of it is very hands-on building modules and doing coding uh, together. So 
I'll probably do a little pair programming too. So people will kind of work in teams, I think. That's what I usually like okay. to do. And is that, um, how, how many people are, 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 what's the, what's the size of that workshop, Sam? Uh, kind of depends on how many people sign up. Uh, I've run it for as many as 10 people. Um, I've got a space that will hold 30 people. I don't, I don't know if we get up there close to that, that might be too much, but uh, right now I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and it's two days. And it costs, uh, 1600 bucks. So, yeah. Uh, and would you people bring their up? own laptop for that? Yeah. You'll want to bring your own laptop. And if you sign up, I'll give you instructions on exactly what you you'll need installed. Um, but yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, to get tickets, you actually have to sign up for GDEVCON. So you have to go buy a ticket for GDEVCON. And then once you select which ticket you want for GDEVCON, then you'll have the option to buy some of the add-on workshops. And there's also another workshop that I'm doing too on uh, Friday. You can take a look at that as well. It's not right. geometry related, but... what What's that on? Uh, I called it uh, thinking iteratively. So it's about trying to figure out how to create quicker feedback cycles and to work more incrementally. So, uh, yeah, so it's that about, interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it's about unit testing, test driven development, refactoring, continuous integration, all these techniques to, to basically get to the point where I make a change and I press a button or two and I can see immediately, like, did I break something or not? Mm. Cause I, I feel like, you know, it feels faster to run ahead and do all these changes and not test them. Right. And you get a lot of code written that way, but then the problem is if it doesn't work, you gotta go back and sort through all those changes and figure out what broke. And it's much faster to do this small incremental thing. So that's yeah, kind of yeah, the, and and knowing where where to start when you've got all those changes, where do I, which one do I test first? <laughs> you know, having a process for that, yeah, yeah, and also too, like if somebody tasks you with like this big huge change and you don't know where to start, you know, if you can break it down and say, well, okay, I know I need to do this step, and then just get that one done, and it kind of. Mm -hmm it makes it a lot easier than trying to do like the old waterfall thing of like, Oh, I've got to plan this whole thing up front and get it all perfect. And I've really been playing a lot with like experimenting lately. Like, you know, I kind of view everything as an experiment. I go try it and I've got some tests and then, then I know if it works or not. And if it doesn't work, then I throw it away and I go start again. And I find it really kind of freeing. So. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So it sounds like a, um, you know, you, so you've got, uh, two day DQMH workshop. Then the GDevCon conference is two days, and then there's another uh, workshop for iterations there on the Friday. So yep. that's a pretty awesome jam packed week. If you want to make a week of just learning and getting involved in in DQMH and and, and everything else that GDevCon offers, that sounds like a pretty cool week. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really cool. We've got some uh, good presentations lined up for GDEFCON. I mean, we've mm. got Alan and Q and Brian Powell, and I'm trying to remember who else was on that list. Casey May. So we've got a bunch. Uh, we're looking for more beginner presentations. So if anybody wants to do a beginner presentation, please uh, head up our website and check that out. Awesome. Well, I guess this is now then the point to start talking about GDEFCON. Sam, can you give us a bit of a history on GDEFCON? Uh, and this is going to be the first North America uh, installment. What's the history of GDevCon? Yeah. So, I mean, Steve and those guys are probably better slated to tell this part of the story than me, but basically my understanding is they had some kind of NI event somewhere in Europe, in London, and they were a little annoyed at like the way it turned out, I guess, like the selection of presentations or something. And so they're at the bar whinging about that. And somebody said, 
hey, you know, for a few hundred bucks, we could put on our own conference and then we could see whatever we wanted. And so that was kind of the start of it was this like rebellious, like, you know, if we put on the conference, then we don't have to see all this NI marketing stuff and we get to choose what we get to see. And so that's kind of how it started. And uh, they held it two years in a row in England. Uh, and somehow I got uh, ended up presenting at both of those and uh, sponsored it the one year. And uh, I thought, wow, that's really, you know, a great idea. And uh, maybe we should do something like that in the U.S. And so after talking to them and stuff, we kind of started. We have we have like we're like a sister organization, so we start our own little nonprofit here in the U.S. Okay. called GDEFCON NA. That's basically doing the same thing. So. Uh, it's, you know, by the community, for the community. Uh, we have some sponsors that help offset the cost. NI is very much talking about being a sponsor this year. So, uh, but there, we have a couple other ones. John McBee and Compose Systems are a big sponsor. Make sure I give a shout out to them. Great. Yeah, and it's Great. basically just uh, kind of a bunch of presentations and some social events and some workshops. I don't know, am I missing anything, Jeff? No, I think you've covered it all. Nah. Oh, so, and a uh, lot of fun. A lot of fun. Got to remember yeah, the fun. Lots and lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and another highlight, too, is uh, uh, Eric from NI put in a presentation on NXG Lessons Learned. So if you want to figure out, hear their take on what went wrong and all of that and what they're going to change. Or what, or 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 what went like right. <laughs> or what went right. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, they learned get, some It's a lessons learned. I mean, come on. I mean, I know a lot of us, a lot of us are like, oh, NXG, we don't want to see it. We don't want it. We don't. But you know, there were some cool things that probably will come of that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and, and I connect, we just saw that now they're going to have uh, G web development, right? Mm. I think it's called or web G develop, whatever it's called instead of uh, NXG. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was like G web developers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that whole NXG platform has created a, it's created a platform for a number of different things, isn't it? I think so that the G development, the web development, Tools suite will has yep. come from that NXG um, uh, instrument studio uh, is based on that. I think a few other things. It, it, I don't know if um, Very Stand's been reworked to use that same architecture, but they that that seemed to ch have changed the look of it. So I, went, I was curious to know whether that was using that same architecture. FlexLogger maybe. There's a few different tools that are using that that architecture that NXG. Yes. In fact, in the office on Thursday, one of my engineers was saying. Gee, this instrument studio tool suite's really awesome. Like he had a PXI system, he was trying to get, he was doing some stuff with scopes and things, and yeah, it was really powerful, really intuitive. So, so there definitely was some positives to come out of out of that um, effort. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, who's who's involved in setting up GDevCon NA? Well, uh, myself, uh, Jeff DeBurr who happens to be sitting right here. And uh, yep. let's see, Bill Welch, Jeremy Marquis, and Ed Dickens. Those are the board members. And then some other people from around the area have been helping, like uh, Kyle Rogers was helping us and uh, Dave Thompson and a few other people. And, of course, all the guys from the GDFCon in Europe, a lot of them were more than willing to help us get off the ground in the beginning too. So Steve and those guys helped out a lot. And Dr. Thomas created our logo and uh, some other stuff. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, unfortunately, Australians aren't allowed to leave the country at the moment. <laughs> you know, I'd love to come over and join you guys in October, but uh, I'm going to have to take a rain check. <laughs> Maybe I need to start GDevCon Australia. Um, yeah. I don't, careful, careful what you say. 
You might, you, you, we might be hearing that in a, in, in upcoming months from you. You never know. <laughs> well, well, hopefully this is the first annual GDEFCON NA. So hopefully there will be plenty more. That's yeah. certainly. Is, is, do you know, is GDEFCON uh, in the, 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 the Europe version is, are they, they're planning a 2021 event or are they waiting for 2022? I don't know for sure. I want to say last time I had talked to them, it sounded like they were waiting for 2022. But okay. I don't want to put words in their mouth. I don't know exactly what's going yeah. on. But that was what I had heard through the grapevine. Uh, so so tell us, um, is, there any, is there any particular theme about this year's GDEVCON North America or, or what sort of presentations can the um, – can the GDEVCON audience expect to learn about? So that's, that was, it's funny you bring up themes. I know that was a discussion, our board discussion when we were talking about when we're, when we, when we put out for the call to presentations and there, there really isn't a theme. You know, I think after, from the discussions, if I recall right, and Sam can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, my feeling and my take is, you know, after being stuck and cooped up and not being at any events, and doing any of the normal networking that we've been able to do, you know, we kind of said, if we do a theme, we're kind of limiting ourselves to a to a degree, right? So it's pretty much open. I, I think we're looking more. What we're looking more for is like like Sam said, we we want a little bit more of the beginner to intermediate type presentations. We have a lot of the intermediate to advanced presentations, but I think it would be if there were to be a theme. I think the theme would really just be community, right? Because this is. This is an event. It's going to be there's. It's it's the networking piece. You know, whenever I go to any event, whether it's GDevCon NA or you know a CLA summit I've been to or even NI Week. Honestly, I don't always go for the presentations. I go for the networking. So I think this is more. This one's more community because it's you know we've been tr- not trapped at home, but trapped. You know, we can't get out to those events because mm-hmm. we haven't had them. And that's that's kind of what that's kind of how I, I, you know, my take on it. Sounds like a good yeah. reason to me. Yeah. Uh, so Sam, so details: when, where, how much, how do you get there? Twentieth, twenty-first. It's in Boulder, Colorado, so you can fly in and out of Denver. And there's uh, various options to get from Denver to Boulder. Uh, it's not that far. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's October 20th and 21st. So it's, uh, was it a Wednesday and a Thursday? Uh, it's, Wednesday, at the Thursday. Place. Uh, it's kind of right off downtown Boulder. So you can walk a lot of places. Boulder, if you've never been there, it's right at the foot of the mountains. So there's tons of, uh, biking, rock climbing, hiking, all that type of stuff to do. That's yeah, at a hotel. So you can stay right at the hotel. We have a deal to get, uh, cheap rooms, uh, tickets, uh, I don't know when this is actually going to go out, but until August 1st, they are uh, $500 early bird special. It goes up to $700. We give you a discount if you want to bring your team. So if you bring buy four more tickets, you can get for $600 a piece. So, Okay, what, what what's the hotel that it's at? It is, I want to say it's the Hyatt Place. I'll have to look it up real quick. Yes, it's but. the Hyatt Place in Boulder. And for those wanting, those knowing Boulder, it's on Pearl Street. Yeah, you can get all – there's a lot more details on our website. It's gdevconna.org. And so there's a bunch of information there on all of the stuff. Yeah. And a place if you want to present, you can submit your presentation. 
Yeah, we extended the deadline for that to it was August first. Yes. We extended that to August fifteenth, so maybe we can get some more beginner presentations. So, so we need yeah, so, yeah. No, more beginner presentations. Yeah, I mean uh, we'll we'll take yeah. anything at the moment, but we're definitely looking to fill that beginner slot because we've got a bunch of advanced ones already. So yeah, are you planning to have streams or is it all the one stream? Uh, so yeah, we're going to have uh, just one main session with people on stage, and then hopefully we're going to have a little separate room off to the side that it's going to be streamed into. So if you want to work on your laptop or like have a little meeting or something over there, you can do that and not disturb everybody. But, but yeah, uh, there's only yeah. Uh, for this one. There's only one one track essentially, okay. right? Versus yeah, 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 yeah. one track. And sure. we're not broadcasting it on the over the internet or anything, at least. Not as of right now, um, and uh, but we are going to record it, so it's going to be professionally recorded, and so we'll have all those available, and they'll be free to the public. So if you can't go, you'll still get to see them. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the awesome things about the GDevCon in in Europe. You know, the last couple of years is that they had the had the professional video recordings, and they're up on YouTube. And yeah, um, I've watched a lot of those videos over the past couple of years, and they're the, the the higher quality is is much appreciated because you know there's uh, there's other videos on from NI Week and CLA summits and things which you know someone's done a great um, thing f- for the community in recording it but you know the GDevCon they've gone and hired a professional unit to to, yeah. to to create those videos and the sound is much better and things like that so um, yeah I think I think that's a that's a great thing from GDevCon yeah they did a very good job with that so. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, guys. Is there anything anything else you'd like to add to that? We are also looking for or, uh, for sponsors. So if anybody wants to be a sponsor, uh, you can reach out and uh, you can email me, uh, Sam at SAS Workshops, and I can uh, get you all the information about that. But uh, are there any are there different sponsor levels, or is it just? Yeah, there, there are various levels. So we want to make it uh, approachable. So if you're like a single man shop, like a one person alliance partner or something, there's something in there for you. And there's something for the larger groups as well. Um, all of them include some number of tickets. And there's a bunch of other perks, like a little VIP dinner and you get your logo on the website and stuff like that. And yeah, if you give us enough money, then you can get up on stage for a few minutes and say whatever you want to say too. So, yeah. Well, it's um, not far away. It's in October. It's about um, three months away now, and uh, that's going to come up real quick. And I wish you guys the best of luck on getting that all up and running and and, and having a successful conference. Super wish I could be there, but uh, I'll just have to be there in spirit and waiting for the YouTube videos to come out. Of course, there's GLA Summit coming up in November as well, so that I'm looking forward to that. It would be good fun to be part of that again. But yeah, look, let's um, let's leave it there, guys. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Jeff. To you for first time being on our podcast, really enjoyed hearing uh, your stories of DQMH and, and what, how you're applying it. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed being here, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, awesome. And and to you, Sam, once again, thanks for being a part of the uh, podcast. And yeah, good luck with the DQMH workshops and 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 G DevCon and. Yeah, good yeah. luck with it. Yeah. Hey, actually, before we go, I should thank you because you inspired me to go back and re-edit my uh, 10, what was it, the DQMH do's and don'ts or something, right? Oh, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I was, I was referring yeah. to it quite, quite in quite detail, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Um, it, it's good that things grow and change, so.
yeah oh look yeah it's um it's pretty cool so yeah thanks again guys and yeah good luck with g devcon thank you chris thank you